even as everything's been changing, we've been very, very clear about our core values and we've been very, very clear about our priorities. So health and safety, supporting families who are challenged so they, they can stay enrolled, supporting our employees, doing remote learning at a level of excellence, connecting our community across the distance. Those five priorities were our North Star so that even if conditions changed on the ground, we still knew what the priorities were. My guest today on Tell Me What to Say uh, is Mark McKee. Um, Would you tell everybody uh, where you are literally and what you do? Drew, thank you. And first of all, I'm very honored to be with you this morning. Um, It is our first day of school for about a third of our students here at Viewpoint School. So Drew, I'm the head and president of Viewpoint School. Um, I'm here in my office on the campus in Calabasas, which is just outside Los Angeles in the Santa Monica Mountains. And Viewpoint is a K through 12 um, independent school. It is a co-ed day school. And uh, we enroll 1,200 students from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. One of my favorite quotes about change uh, is, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking that we used when we created them, Albert Einstein. So as I was thinking about that quote today, as I was preparing for Mark, um, it strikes me that, you know, as, as we confront new things, if our thinking needs to change, since we're all humans, that's going to play out in our conversations. And as any listener knows, this show is a conversation about conversations. So Mark, tell me then, uh, if you followed my my somewhat twisted logic there, how have the conversations changed at Viewpoint and in your life? A few examples or whatever as we have uh, lived and uh, worked through the past six months. Drew, that's an excellent question. And my immediate reflection on how conversations have changed at Viewpoint and in education is, first of all, that there are many, many more of them. And it's, it's interesting that conversations, um, broadly put, have been essential to our navigating um, educationally and navigating our community uh, through this COVID-19 time. Uh, a, an example, one of the things that uh, before we all, um, you know, closed the school, went remote uh, back in March of 2020, um, we had scheduled, we, we had established a COVID-19 task force as uh, most uh, schools, organizations have uh, now. Um, we had established ours back in January, February, and we had a couple of physicians, um, one our school physician, another um, a physician scientist in our parent community, both of them in our parent community. Um, they were on our task force and we wanted our students to um, have a little window into the science um, when this virus was something that might affect our lives back in March. You might remember that. Yep. And so we scheduled a conversation with our students um, in our middle school and our upper school for those, uh, particularly the scientifically motivated students to come and learn a little bit more about um, this thing. And um, certainly uh, the rapid change when we scheduled that conversation, we had no idea that um, even though it was scheduled for a few days later, 
that that day that it was scheduled would be our last day in person on campus. And so, in fact, we had a QA and a um, on what was uh, ultimately our last day in in-person education last school year. And that conversation has spawned um, what is uh, essentially a bi-weekly, sometimes weekly series of conversations, um, Zoom calls with our doctors from our task force and other people in our community. Um, our doing it with the parents, sorry, pardon me, are having that meeting with the students during the school day. Some um, wanted to attend from home remotely. You know, that was novel back in March. So we did a Facebook Live a stream of that Q&A. That turned into, well, if we offered one for the students, let's offer one for the parents. And hundreds of people turned up and continued to turn up. And we made a promise to the community, we'll keep these calls going so long as people keep showing up. And, um, and it has turned out to be one of the staples that has kept our community together and gotten us through. Even though they were getting information they might get from the media or they might get from you know, other sources, having physicians who were in our own parent community speak to our teachers, speak to our parents, speak to our community as insiders was incredibly comforting um, as the information has changed. And, and that's just one example of the way in which conversation has connected us during a time of physical distancing. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so let's stay inside those, those um, conversations for a second. I wonder is a, you're both a participant and I'm sure have uh, knowing you a little bit, you have the ability to step back from them and observe. Um, what, I'm intrigued with this idea of, of what is surprising us these days, right? Mm -hmm. as, you, as you really do really get a chance to listen, um, what has surprised you? I've been surprised by how important it is to acknowledge how differently and how personally this pandemic is affecting people and this time of change is affecting people. But actually what's been surprising is that we couldn't necessarily predict how any one person was coping or managing through this time. And what that has meant to me as a leader is that we have to acknowledge and make space for um, all of the ways in which um, people are um, responding, reacting, coping and managing through this time. Um, and, and not only for our um, students, but also for our parents and certainly for our teachers, um, because uh, people have been affected in very personal and um, personalized ways. Mm. What is something, especially as the leader of this educational institution, what is something that you've observed somebody going through and, and what has, if anything, the school been able to do to help them? Probably the biggest thing we've been able to do has been to stay in touch, um, to communicate, and to let people know what they can count on um, in a time of great change and great uncertainty. And so um, being able to say, um, here are all the things we don't know, but here are a few that we're confident in, um, that has been um, very important to people. When we um, polled our community to try to understand across the distance um, how people were managing, you know, we turned up that, you know, 
significant numbers in our community, five to 10% had had a close friend or loved one uh, who was ill uh, with the virus, um, and a number of whom had had a close friend or loved one who had died. And, um, you know, because we, um, as a school, we're very much a community. Um, communities gather, that's what they do in times of challenge or times of difficulty. And because we haven't had that same ability to gather, it has been very hard not to know what people are facing. And so, um, you know, such techniques as um, conversations and surveys have been important so that people at least are known and um, seen and, um, and feel and are heard. Have you felt that people are um, open enough? Is Zoom uh, doing its job, meaning that people express themselves with vulnerability and transparency? Or do you think it might be different, uh, you know, in the presence of the people, say, in your office or something like that? Any difference you're noticing? You know, I think it, I think it does. Um, I think that this, um, you know, teleconferencing and phone calls um, have probably, um, you know, have, have probably netted out to much the same, meaning that um, for someone who might not feel as comfortable in this medium or someone who just simply gets Zoom fatigue and needs to have an old-fashioned phone call, um, there's been a lot of that lately. Um, there are others who might, in fact, feel more comfortable in this forum and this format um, uh, communicating themselves and expressing, you know, so for example, um, one of the other things has been, um, learning how to use all of these tools. So including like the chat feature in zoom, the chat feature can be very powerful, um, or, uh, it can be a source of great risk and, you know, disruption when, uh, people are, um, expressing opinions and there's one conversation happening on the screen and then a second conversation happening on the chat. Um, we've had to get, um, and at the same time, we've, uh, in those uh, Zoom calls, for example, we've kept open chats for just that reason. We want that open channel. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You know, one of the, the number ones, of course, there's anxiety. Uh, I hear that. I mean, is you and I always had the good fortune of, of sitting there in your office and, and, and working on things, but I'm all on, on Zoom now, right? Um, b- back and forth. That aside, though, people are still, uh, as we said, people are still learning to share. And one of the, if not the dominant uh, concerns that they talk about is their feeling of, of uncertainty. Not only what do I do to make it through now, but more than that, especially when you talk to people in leadership roles, people want to know what's going to happen um, so that somehow it can fill in. It's classic leadership challenge. You know, the future is not real. We just have to create some uh, vision of it. Um, how are you doing on, in your opinion, and maybe you hear from others, in communicating any sort of vision or uh, a sense of a future um, so that people can can um, feel better. We have had to be incredibly nimble and agile during this time. And 
indeed, as I look at um, our team here at Viewpoint, I am so proud of how they have been nimble and agile and communicative and trusting um, in order to pivot and then pivot and then redesign and pivot again uh, during this period of time. One of the things that you know, Drew, about education is that education is one of the most um, change-averse and risk-averse industries or you know, fields of human endeavor, and for good reason. Um, you know, education as a field tends to be um, conservative and risk-averse because we're taking care of children. You know, and so because our mission is to provide safety and challenge and growth for children and teenagers, for the youngest among us, um, that makes education by nature a very change-averse um, endeavor. And yet the entire school system globally has had to go remote and learn how to do it well on a dime. If you had asked me, even in the beginning of March, how long would it take you, Mark, to develop a remote school, I would have said, at least give us two or three years. Hmm. And in fact, we had three days. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, you know, um, we had two weeks of remote learning. We had a brief spring break. We rebuilt the entire remote learning system for the quarter that took place after spring break. We were still hoping last spring we'd get back in person. Um, then we had a summer, um, we have run a summer camp. We learned how to do that in a pandemic and we've rebuilt our entire remote and hybrid learning system yet again. Um, so that we're, we had to prepare four different schedules and calendars for this school year, depending upon the extent to which we're able to be in person or in a hybrid format or fully remote. And it turns out that here in Los Angeles, um, schools are opening remotely, um, as they are in many parts of the country. And so even as we open this school year this week remotely, we are prepared this year to operate school in four different ways. Mm -hmm. And that has never been true before. So that sort of agility in a school or in a school system, um, that had not necessarily been designed into all of our systems. Um, and I'll tell you, as you know, um, innovation, um, agility, uh, change requires collaboration and really, really good communication. Yeah. I'm struck by something one of our other guests, uh, a rabbi, uh, has said uh, in one of his books, and you're, you're facing it square on, that when you must, you can. Uh, and you were you were faced with a with a you know a, a very strong and clear must, uh, and it certainly sounds from your couple examples there that there wasn't a lot of time taken to talk about why it wouldn't work. It it was more about getting to it. Uh, you know they they said Martin Luther King uh, didn't say you know. Uh, I have a dream now. Let's break up into small groups and figure it out. What? But what you did was you obviously you and your colleagues got real clarity about what was required, regardless of the time pressures, and got right to it. Um, and that's something unusual in organizations. That clarity has been so important as to say uh, essentially um, what is the mission. You know, and, and mission is a word that 
you know, you might hear in a military context, it's like, we're going to take that hill. And um, your guest was right, when you must, you can. Um, for example, in the spring, we were challenged to determine how to celebrate our class of 2020. And we had a mission to find a safe way to uh, provide them a commencement, a conclusion to their school year. And, um, you know, taking uh, inspiration from the Air Force Academy, we essentially turned our football field into a field hospital, um, tested everybody. At that time, uh, testing was not um, as widely adopted as it is now as a way of getting society um, back. Um, and uh, we provided the safety so that the class of 2020 could have a very different, you know, masked, physically distanced with lots of hand hygiene, touchless diploma distribution, but they could, you know, parents weren't there, parents were live streaming in, but they could have a commencement. And that was essentially our phase one of what is the mission, you know? So all along the way, we have said that um, we have a very clear, clear vision as to what we're after. Today's the first day that our um, primary school students are um, having a day camp and uh, the purpose of that camp, the mission is their connection with their teachers. And so even as everything's been changing, we've been very, very clear about our core values um, and we've been very, very clear about our priorities. So early in the pandemic, we said, these are the critical priorities, health and safety, supporting families who are challenged so they, they can stay enrolled, supporting our employees, doing remote learning at a level of excellence, connecting our community across the distance. Those five priorities um, were our North Star so that even if conditions changed on the ground, we still knew what the priorities were. Right. And we also ended up developing a sense of what are our core values for this COVID-19 time. So, you know, like many institutions, we have uh, core values, but we even developed them for COVID-19, uh, placing among them science and responsibility and safety and community. Because we were saying that as a task force, as a school, we're going to be led by the science and we're going to be do we're going to be doing everything um, to put responsibility um, foremost, making it acceptable in our community um, as we begin to have some in-person education happening um, in the future. We see um, that for those who want to stay part of the community, um, and uh, we're we're going to be doing in-person education safely and responsibly, and for those who choose to be remote. Again, they can still connect and be part of our community no matter what format we're in. Right. There's another uh, quote I want to run by you. And uh, to the listeners, I did not give Mark a heads up on this, so I'll even give him a, a moment to think through it. Um, I, I do know I shared this with you when we, when we worked on coaching together. Uh, and that was, you know, the, the best leaders do this great job of of uh, this is from Jim Collins in uh, From Good to Great, uh, of balancing the brutal facts with the preservation of hope. Mm -hmm. and it's a precarious balance, but I'll put you on the spot fully knowing you'll excel here. Um, if you could just say to somebody, what are within some range, what are the 
brutal facts that you now face as the leader of this institution. Um, so be as brutal as you, as you can be. And then what balances that brutality uh, from the hope side? Oh, Drew, you know I love um, Admiral Stockdale's paradox. And That's good. In, yeah. in fact, um, I began sharing that Stockdale paradox with our students and our families at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, because as, as you know, Drew, um, you know, Admiral Stockdale said in that story recounted that um, the people who didn't make it out of that POW camp in Vietnam were the ones um, whose hope was such that you know, oh, we'll get home by Christmas or by the next holiday, um, and uh, or the ones who didn't have any hope at all. I, I took a line from a poem, um, be joyful though you have considered all the facts. So, <laughs> so many of the facts in education are, are very, very challenging. Um, we have not just at Viewpoint, but in our field, you know, never done this before. So if we focus on teaching and learning, um, you know, we're all of us learning together how to connect, how to deliver education and growth and human connection um, in this remote way. And so naturally, when you're learning anything new, you're not very good at it at the start. And um, no one who goes into education likes to be not good at something ever. <laughs> we expect our students to have a growth mindset, but you know, teachers generally were good students and so we like to excel at things. But so um, being in a massive um, experiment, massive learning, that has itself been a, a bit of a brutal fact. Um, certainly um, we must remember as we watch the tolls, um, and it's, it's very, very hard when human lives um, become uh, numbers and statistics, we must remember the ways in which this pandemic is affecting everyone in very, very personal ways. And right behind that is the brutal fact that it's fallen on our society in inequitable ways. And so that is a very challenging, um, brutal fact. And then there's the fact that we don't know what the future holds. We don't know um, how long it will be um, before we can um, move as a society um, to uh, the next normal. And uh, we don't know how long even this current normal will be before we find yet another version of it. So I think right now we're all finding some equilibrium and stasis and how to navigate through this interim period of time while we have the virus among us and before we have vaccines and treatments and um, you know the next normal. And so all of those are, are really brutal facts. Um, and, and yet what has given me hope and what continues to give me hope is um, the promise and possibility of human connection, um, seeing the joy of learning and growth in students um, each and every day. Um, it reminds us why we're in um, this world of education. <laughs> it is all about, um, you know, seeing, uh, as one of our teachers put it, uh, those light bulb moments, um, seeing students uh, connect uh, with one another and with their teachers. Um, I reminded our faculty and our students that, you know, great teachers change lives. And that is still true at this time. And so um, that is absolutely a, a North Star that gets us through. 
between Einstein and 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 Collins and your extremely uh, quick catch of the Stockdale paradox, uh, I. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity. We haven't seen each other in a little while, but it was great to pick right back up with you. Uh, and um, your school is in good hands. And I say that as somebody who is uh, around a lot of institutions these days that are having different kinds of struggles. But Mark, thank you for, for, for joining me today. Uh, I hope this has been a good chance for you to take a breath before you hop back down uh, and get going again. Um, any last thoughts uh, before I let you go? You know, I, I started in education as an English teacher. And um, as a result, I was um, always teaching students about the power of metaphor. And certainly leaders depend upon metaphors to communicate to um their audiences. Um, you've mentioned Martin Luther King, who was masterful in his use of um, metaphor to motivate audiences. And um, I know I have continued to find, um, you know, metaphor after metaphor to keep our community united and moving forward. You know, when you're when you're driving in the fog or when you're going through a tunnel and you cannot see how long the tunnel is, that can be very disorienting. I, I think that's one of the brutal facts of this time. Um, and yet, um, you know, as a people, um, even in this time of division, this time of political crisis, economic crisis, public health crisis, um, you know, we do have a North Star um, in our community and can, um, you know, know that uh, we don't know how long the tunnel is, but we'll emerge. I, so I wish your, I wish your audience um, uh, many metaphors to get them through this period of time. Thank you. So on that note, this has been uh, Tell Me What to Say with our guest, Mark McKee. Uh, thank you for listening, and I hope Mark's uh, words and thoughts uh, can provide, as a good leader does, uh, guidance forward. So thank you very much, Mark. Drew, thank you. 